We are the Bride Radio as the voice of the true Bride of Christ. bride of Christ to stand up and take your place in the army in the kingdom we recognize our battle is not with flesh and blood but with the principalities and the powers of the air we are a ministry of prayer and we highlight what God is doing through other ministries and ministers across the globe we provide a platform for ministers and a place for the bride to come together and rally around each other, hold up each other's arms, and pray for one another. WATV Radio celebrates the various missions that God has called each one of us to in this army, so we desire to promote and enhance the bride as a whole. Go, bride! Our soon-coming king awaits. This is a WATB disclaimer. The views and opinions expressed in this show do not necessarily reflect the views of We Are the Bride Ministries, We Are the Bride Radio, or We Are the Bride Television. Thank you. Hey, Bride, good evening, boy. Well, do we have some crazy things happening right now, huh? Well, it looks like that our president has made a decision, doesn't it, Brad? It looks like uh, he didn't concede, but he is moving forward with telling them to get the transition team going, which is really the same thing as a concede, and it looks like he's moving forward with having uh, his team transition Biden in. So, it appears to look like Trump is out the door. So, if that's the case, Brad, uh, let me put this down a little bit, okay? <laughs> if that's the case, then that goes along with the theory that I had that Trump is not going to go down in the sinking ship and this is an easy out. He can just say, oh, I lost the election, but I was really robbed. Kind of like Hillary Clinton, huh? So, let's look at what the mainstream news, how they are covering this announcement. Have you heard this today, Brian? All right, let's flip this around. Okay, let's see if I can get this a little better for you. There we go. All right. Good evening, everybody. Good evening. Okay, we're in my house, so we're just going to uh, look at things a little bit because we're still in our Noah Hyde week, but when I found this out, I realized, oh boy, I have to go live. I have to go live over this one. All right, so let's look at some of the announcements here. This is ABC News. Michigan officially certifies election results for Joe Biden. 
CBS, Trump administration allows Biden transition to begin. Okay, and then we have CNN. Biden's win acknowledged by GSA as formal transition begins. Breaking news on MSNBC. Trump folds on Biden transition. So, what do you think about it, Brad? What do you think? And then... I wanted to show you this. Somebody posted something about a comment that Biden made back in, what year was this? 2013. So this is right after Obama won his second term. And she wrote on here, wake up Americans, look what Biden said back in 2013. So he talks about the One World Order plans uh, that he has. So let's listen to old Biden here. And some have to change. So we have to do what we do best. We have to lead. All right, let's watch it again. Here we go. This is a familiar story. In the post-war era, post-World War II era, we faced... Uh, a slightly different set of challenges. As the global economy reemerged and the restrictions of war, we knew that institutions and roles were needed to navigate through this new world order. And uh, because our parents and grandparents were wise and because they were committed, uh, we did what we've always done best. We exercised our global leadership. We were driving... Uh, we were he looks like he's just reading the deal, don't he? GATT, as well as the World Trade Organization, the architecture uh, for the global economic system. Our companies and our financial institutions uh, from that period through uh, the mid-80s and 90s uh, were also instrumental in establishing the standards for uh, corporate responsibility and transparency and governance. It's almost changed. Changed utterly. A terrible beauty has been born. All's changed. In the last decade, all's changed in terms of the globalization of the world economy. Okay, so this is 2013, and he says... In the last decade, all has changed. Oh, excuse me. All has changed in terms of the globalization of the economy. Good evening. I'm coming on here with this late news because Trump basically conceded today. He didn't come out and say he conceded, but he said, in the best interest of the country. I am going to go ahead and allow them to go on with the transition. Well, that is conceding. But he is still telling people he's still going to fight. So let's see here. In terms of the rules of the road or the lack of the rules of the road. In terms of watching the emerging nations trying to figure out where they fit and how we fit relative to them and so on. And so these institutions that uh, the affirmative task we have now is, uh, is to actually um, uh, create a, a new world order. Now, he said this in 2013. He said that the global order is changing again. And the institution is the rule. See, that's what he's saying right here. That works so well in the post-World War II era. 
So we have to do what we do best. We have to lead. We have to do what we do best, and that is lead. I want to show you President Trump's tweet where he conceded, basically. He said, I want to thank Emily Murphy at GSA for her steadfast dedication and loyalty to our country. She has been harassed, threatened, and abused, and I do not want to see this happen to her, her family, or employees of GSA. Our case strongly continues, and we will keep up the good fight, and I believe we will prevail. Nevertheless, in the best interest of our country, I am recommending that Emily and her team do what needs to be done with regard to initial protocols and have told my team to do the same. So basically, he just conceded without coming in saying to concede. Now see, the Christians, look, they're right here rooting for him. Sir, it appears as if you're giving up on a fight that God wants you to win. You have 800 million Americans politely rooting for you. No, counting on you to win. We need you pressed to the mark. They're begging him not to give in. Here's another one. I believe Jesus wants you to be in there. It'd be terrifying if Biden takes over. All right, let's see here. This one says, Now that Trump is finally allowing Emily Murphy to do her job, it's a good time to meet some of the folks who will be taking over. John Kerry, look at that. Climate envoy. U.S. Ambassador to the United Nations. National Security Advisor. Hmm. Ah, look at that. This sums up your time as America. Wow. Look at that. It's something, isn't it? Well. That's true. This person brought it up. He may come back in 2024 because uh, that goes back to my other theory is what if uh, he does leave for this four years and comes back in 2024 just like his movie, Trump 2024. Remember I told you about that bride look. Trump 2024 film 
and it's called After Trump, A Warning to America. This come out, Brian, before the elections. Before the elections. Look at this. Um, let's see if I can do it without sound. Let me turn the sound off on my computer. Okay, the sound is off. Let me play it. He's got all his talking heads, his head on the mountain. No, they said he was not for LGBT. They said that was that was oh, uh, Obama. Such a farce. The world after Trump. <laughs> what the world? All right, so let's look at here. I'm telling y'all, he does not want to go down in a sinking ship. So this could be his easy way out to just say he lost on an election. And then all the things that he's been doing and putting in place, when all of it comes to pass, like the Million Man Army and all of the different things to destroy Christianity, uh, he can turn around and blame it all on Biden because now the Democrats got in and they are so evil. They're, they are just wanting to destroy everything our country stood on. See, that is how, that's how I'm learning our government does. When they want stuff done that they know the church won't want, but they need it in, they uh, put a Democrat in there. Okay, so here's his tweet. What does GSA being allowed to preliminary work with the Dems have to do with continuing to pursue our various cases on what will go down as the most corrupt election in American political history? We are moving full speed ahead. We'll never concede. Isn't that something? To fake ballots and dominion. So let's see what people are saying here. Well, to me, uh, he most certainly gave it up. You know, he definitely 
uh, gave the action towards conceding. All right, so let's look at the latest news. Trump administration approved start of formal transition to Biden. So wouldn't you consider that a concede? A key official designated president-elect Joe Biden is the apparent winner after Michigan certified his victory there and President Trump lost another court decision in Pennsylvania. Oh, okay. Now we see the story, so he's losing in the court. Oh, okay, let's see here. President Trump's government on Monday... authorized President-elect Joseph Biden to begin a formal transition process after Michigan certified Mr. Biden as its winner. A strong sign that the president's last-ditch bid to overturn the results of the election was coming to an end. Mr. Trump did not concede and vowed to persist with efforts to change the vote, which have so far proved fruitless, but the president said on Twitter on Monday night that he accepted the decision by Emily Murphy, the administrator of the General Services Administration, to allow a transition to proceed. In his tweet, Mr. Trump said that he told his officials to begin initial protocols involving the handoff to Mr. Biden in the best interest of our country, even though he had spent weeks of trying to subvert a free and fair election with false claims of fraud. Hours later, he tried to play down the significance of Miss Murphy's action, tweeting that it was simply preliminary work with the Dems that would not stop the efforts to change election results. Still, Miss Murphy's designation of Mr. Biden as the apparent victor provides the incoming administration with federal funds and resources and clears the way for the president-elect's advisors to coordinate with Trump administration officials. So that right there tells you it is official. Oh, okay, y'all are saying if he goes to war, he could use war powers. Huh. Pyramid says, no, the GSA chick was getting threatened and allegedly he started to soften up due to that. This court nonsense is just to get the legislator to vote one per state. Okay. All right. All right. Amen, Dolly. Amen. <laughs> Joanna said, finally, I get to catch it live. Oh, amen, Miss Joanna. No, I don't remember that, Sherry. Honky says, if he declares war, they can't change president. Hmm. No, Steve said that his 
Steve, don't say Steve said that. Steve did not say he would be president again. What Steve said is that his sources say that. There you go, Steve's advisor. Yes, yes. Who is the United Nations against Iran? I don't know. Pyramid says, regardless, I hope it doesn't happen, but very soon most Americans wish they had set their differences aside and helped each other overcome their challenges. Yeah. That's true, Coffee. That contact could have been lying to Steve. That's true. Yeah, amen, Barb. Well, the thing is, let's go back and look at another article. Trump's effort to steal the election is done. That's CNN. Let the counting begin again. Trump's requested recount Georgia expected to start. Trump fears Giuliani, other lawyers, and Biden vote challenge are fools that are making him look something. Small but growing number of Republicans tell Trump it's over. Stop golfing and concede. Many Republicans calling on Trump to accept the 2020 election. All right, well, let's go on to the next bit of news that I have for you, Brian. Look at, look at this. Do y'all remember me talking to you about HR 6666? How many remembers that? Now, this is a bill that's very fishy. First of all, why would you name a bill HR 666? Unless you want to just stir up the old Christians, right? Well, remember, this is one called COVID-19 Testing reaching and contacting everyone called the trace act okay remember this one had changed names to the trace act remember me telling you about that in july okay it says read twice and referred to the committee on health education labor and pensions now they have another one bride i got notified today by the Library of Congress about it. It's called the EHDC Act of 2020. And this one is dated September 14th. It says, referred to the Subcommittee on Economic Development, Public Buildings, and Emergency Management. Now, when you click on this bill, look at this one. Okay, this one is uh, the House Energy and Commerce Ways and Means Judiciary, Transportation and Infrastructure, Education and Labor. Now, don't forget, Brad, when you hear transportation, don't just think automobiles, trains, and planes. It can also mean data. 
Whenever you see that, think data, because remember, data is under the transportation infrastructure because data transfers down the information highway. So, education and labor, agriculture, natural resources, house administration, oversight and reform, budget and small business. All of that from one bill called the EHDC Act of 2020. Okay, it doesn't have a summary. It does have a text. We'll look at that in just a moment, but look at this. Okay, the, look at the related bills. Are you ready for this one? You ready for a shock? Look at the related bills. Look at this mess. Look. All from that one bill. These are all the different bills having to do with that. Let me just read you a few of them. Improving Social Determinants of Health Act of 2020. Stronger Medicaid Response to COVID-19 Pandemic. Coronavirus 2019 Special Enrollment Period Act. Community Solutions for COVID-19 Act. Equitable Data Collection and Disclosure on COVID-19 Act. COVID-19 Racial and Ethnic Disparities Task Force. Look at that. Coronavirus Immigrant Families Protection Act, Tribal Medical Supply Stockpile Access Act. Yes, this one is a byproduct of H.R. 6666. Tobacco Tax Equity Act. NIMHD Research Endowment Revitalization Act. Healthcare access for urban native veterans. Expanded coverage for former foster care. Mama's Act. More Health Education Act. Community Solutions for COVID-19. Dasha Joy Immediate Coverage for Foster Care. Social Services Pandemic Disaster. Racial and Ethnic Disparities Task Force. Ensuring seniors access to COVID treatments. Stronger Medicaid response. Equitable data collection and disclosure. Coverage for COVID-19 Treatment Act. Improving social determinants. Now you think, okay, now what do all of these have to do with the TRACE Act? Well, let's go back over here and look. All right, now, the titles means all the different ways that they call this bill, okay? So, they call it short titles or introduced for portions of this bill. It's called the Mamas Act, Mothers and Offspring Mortality and Morbidity Awareness Act, Social Determinants Accelerator Act, okay? Let's go over here and look at the actions. Okay, it was introduced in the House. Let's go to the text. A bill. Racial and ethnicity data collection. Now check this out, Brad. 
Equitable Data Collection and Disclosure. The World Health Organization declared COVID-19 a public health emergency, okay? All right, the United States surpassed the world. Each reporting on racial inequities in COVID-19 testing and treatment have renewed calls for Centers for Disease Control and Prevention and other related sub-agencies within the department to publicly release racial and demographic information to better inform the pandemic response, specifically in communities of color and limited English community. Hispanics! So, in other words, all the colors... The burden of morbidity and mortality in the United States has historically fallen disproportionately on marginalized communities. Those who suffer the most from great public health needs and are the most medically underserved. Historically, structures and systems such as racism, ableism, and class oppression have rendered affected individuals more vulnerable to inequities and have prevented people from achieving their optimal health even when there is not a crisis of pandemic roots. Okay, so in other words, because of the white supremacist, these people are suffering. That's the way I take that right there, such as racism, ableism, and class oppression. Significant differences in access to health care, specifically to primary health care providers, health care information, and greater perceived discrimination in health care place communities of color, individuals with disabilities, and LEP individuals at greater risk of receiving delayed and perhaps poor health care. Stark racial inequalities, inequities, I mean, across the United States, including unequal access to stable housing, quality education, and decent employment significantly impact the ability of individuals to take care of their most basic health needs. Communities of color are more likely to experience homelessness and struggle with low-paying jobs or unemployment. To date, experts have cited that two in five Latino residents in New York City the current epicenter of the COVID-19 pandemic. Now, isn't that funny they say that when New York City is the only one right now that's not going to be receiving the vaccine? Now, how is that going to work? Are recently unemployed is a direct consequence of COVID-19 at a time when children, okay, communities of color experience higher rates of chronic disease and disability such as diabetes, hypertension, and asthma than non-Hispanic white communities, which predispose them to greater risk of complications. So, in other words, we're coming after the colors first. That is the way that they have been doing from the very beginning. And I know a lot of my black friends, they understand this too. Such communities are made even more vulnerable to the uncertainty of the preparation, response, and events surrounding the pandemic public health crisis. COVID-19, for instance, in the recent past, multiple epidemiologic studies and reviews have reported higher rates of hospitalization due to the 2009 H1N1 pandemic among the poor, etc. Okay, all right, we hear what you're saying. 
Okay, language barriers, okay. Further, it's critical to disaggregate data further by ancestry to address disparities with Asian American, Native Hawaiian, and Pacific Islander groups, okay. Utilizing disaggregation of enrollment in the Affordable Care Act, okay. Uh, marginalized racial and ethnic communities, consequences of misunderstanding the racial and ethnic impact of this. Okay, so what are you going to do about it? Valuable research and practice variables when used. Okay, there's no public standard. All right. Okay, the dearth of racially and ethnic. Okay. Emergency funding for federal data collection on the racial, ethnic, and other demographic disparities of COVID-19. Okay, now. Let's see what they're going to do to find out about these communities. Let's see what they say here. All right. To conduct or support data collection on the racial, ethnic, and other demographic implications of COVID-19 in the United States and its territories, including support to assist in the capacity building for state and local public health departments to collect and transmit racial, ethnic, and other demographic data to the relevant Department of Health and Human Services, there is authorized to be appropriated. Okay, here we go. You ready? This is so they can find out more information about color. To the Centers of Disease Control and Prevention, $12 million. To state, territorial, and tribal public health agencies distributed proportionally based on the total population of their residents who are enrolled in Medicaid or have no health insurance. $15 million. To the Indian Health Service, Indian Tribes, Tribal Organizations, okay, they get $3 million. To the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, $5 million. Food and Drug Administration, $5 million. To the Agency for Healthcare Research and Quality, $5 million. To the Office of the National Coordinator for Human Health Information Technology, oh, Five million. I believe that is Jared. Let's check this out. Let's check this out. I really believe this is Jared. Let's go over here and check these people out. All right. IT. Okay, this is technology. All right. All right, let's see. Information blocking and the health IT certification requirements. Okay. A strong start. Enhancing newborn screening for... Ooh, that's scary. For precision public health. As the compact as the capability to sequence an individual's genome. What? No, that is not changing baby's genome sequence. Continues to expand and the cost continues to fall. More states are considering how next generation sequencing 
could support their newborn screening programs, which test approximately 4 million babies born in the United States for congenital treatable diseases. Results from this can enhance newborn screening programs by providing more information beyond traditional biochemical and other tests. Not all states have the expertise needed to interpret the results, but the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is developing the Enhanced Data-Driven Disease Detection in Newborn System, which has the potential to help. ED3N is being designed to enable secure upload of NGS data in any format and could benefit from data standards that address efficiency and interoperability. A recent pilot project supported by the Department of Health and Human Services, the National Coordinator for Health Information Technology, confirmed that an existing open source data standard, Health 7 International, HL7, Fast Healthcare Interoperability Resources, can successfully be used to transmit transmit newborn screenings that is so scary the pilot project was conducted by the utah department of health as part of the sync for genes project which supports the precision medical medicine initiative sync for genes aims to advance data standards that support sharing NGS information to help patients and providers make better decisions. For example, providers can use NGS data to help patients and families, including parents of newborns, plan the best type of care based on the patient's unique genetic information. I have got to see... Think for genes. Exploring approaches to make clinical genomics available at the point of care. National Marrow Donor Program. Let's see what this is. I know about API. We are talking serious technology here, Brad. Well, I could definitely go off on a rabbit trail there, but I'll have to research all this later. Okay. Uh, this is terrible. Okay, data collection and disclosure. Data collection. The Secretary of Health and Human Services, referred to in this section as Secretary, acting through the Director of the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention and the Administrator of the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, shall make publicly available on the website for the Centers of Disease Control and Prevention data collected across all surveillance systems relating to COVID-19 disaggregated by race, ethnicity, sex, age, primary language, 
socioeconomic status, disability. See, the only way they can tell about all this data is through a chip. Data related to all COVID-19 testing, including the number of individuals tested, the number of tests that were positive. Data related to treatment for COVID, including hospitalizations and intensive care unit admissions. Data related to COVID-19 outcomes, including total fatalities and case fatality rates expressed as the proportion of individuals who were infected with COVID-19 and died from the virus. All right, let's see here. Consultation with tribes. So he's got a commission on ensuring health equity during the COVID-19 emergency. All right, let's see. Got a lot of people on that commission. How to collect, process, and disclose to the public the data described in subparagraph A in a way that maintains individual privacy while helping the state and local reprise to the virus. Huh. So it's collecting all the data. Who's wearing a ventilator and all this, the beds, the demographic data. Uh, I'll tell you what, Brad, what a mess. National Plan of the Data Council? <laughs> Brad, I'm definitely not a lawyer. I'm telling you, it's definitely collecting a whole lot of data. Collection of data for the Medicare program. Hmm. Shall collect data on the race, ethnicity, sex, primary language, sexual orientation just to get Medicare? Gender identity, socioeconomic status, and disability status of all applicants for Social Security benefits. Wow. I don't think they do that now, do they, Brad? Now they want to know your sexual orientation to get uh, Medicare. If they allow them to be as free as they are, why do they care? I mean, seriously. Huh. 
Oh, Lord. Yes, I hear you. Look at this. Standards for measuring sexual orientation gender identity and socioeconomic status and collection of health data. In paragraph 1a, by inserting sexual orientation, gender identity, socioeconomic status, before and disability status. Oh, because right now, they have the term disability status on there, but now they're adding all the other Social, sexual orientation, gender identity, and socioeconomic. Hmm. Modernization. Let's see what they're doing here. Provide guidance, technical assistance, and information to grantees under this section on best practices regarding culturally com competent, accurate, and increased data collection and transmission. Yeah, that's going to be the question is how are they going to gather all this data from these color people? I mean, how are they planning on doing it? It has to be in the process of doing the vaccines. Because they're going after them first. Okay, track performance of grantees under this section to help improve their health inequities. Data collection by identifying gaps and taking effective steps to support states, localities, and territories in addressing the gaps. So right here, they're asking all the states to help them gather all this data. Then they got to submit their final report. So additional reporting to Congress on the race and ethnicity rates of COVID-19 testing, hospitalization, and mortalities. I don't see why they would need it on just the colors, would you? I mean, why not? Don't you want the data on everybody? It don't make sense. T 
Testing and tracing. Oh, Lord. Free testing. We know this. National testing strategy. Oh, all right. Here we go. What are they going to say? Here we go. Not later than June 15th of 2020, the Secretary of Health and Human Services, Secretary, shall update the COVID-19 strategic testing plan under the heading, which they did, and submit to the appropriate congressional committees such updated national plan identifying what level of types of and approaches to testing including predicted numbers of tests, populations to be tested, and frequency of testing, and the appropriate setting, whether a healthcare setting such as hospital-based, high-complexity, laboratory, point-of-care, mobile testing, pharmacies, or community health centers, or non-healthcare settings such as workplaces, schools, or child care centers. Hmm. What about the camp? Sounds like they're making it up as they go along and all unconstitutional. Well... Y'all got to remember all these things that they're doing is getting everything lined up for this new order. This change of order. All right, well, let's go back. Okay, there's something else I want to check real quick, Brad. All right, let me go over here so I can do this in private and I'll be over there in a second. Let me see something. There's something I'm wanting to show you. Let's see. Well, look at, oh, uh, Steve did a thing today where he's talking about there may be a war with Iran. Maybe y'all are right. Maybe he is backing up a little bit because he knows there's a war coming. I don't know. Oh, this is something somebody sent me. Look at this. This is by Shaking Your Head Productions. Let me get the sound going. And this one's called Here Comes the Jab. 
which we know is the vaccine. All right, look at this. Tell me what you noticed, Brad. Anna thank you. 632, this breaking news from overnight. AstraZeneca and Oxford University have announced their vaccine is highly effective in preventing the coronavirus. All right, first of all, what do you notice about that logo? All of you that I've been training about logos. Look at the AstraZeneca logo. What do you see? Six, six, six. How many else see that? How many? What do y'all see in that logo there? AstraZeneca. Okay, you see a an arrow. Oh, I didn't think about that. Okay, so a, a triangle and an arrow. The yellow. Okay, six, six, six. All right, let's see. How do we see a six? A snake? Oh, it looks like a snake, you think? Hmm. Well, what about the infinity symbol? Do you see that where it's like infinity? Yeah, you see the A and Z. That's good. Alpha and Omega beginning in the end. Good idea, good eye, good eye. I can definitely see this uh, pizza symbolism. Hmm. U.S. and U.N., huh? So y'all see the infinity symbol? Figure eight in, in the yellow. Right, see? Infinity symbol. Okay, but anyways, I just wanted to show you that. All right, so let's continue. This Brittany Jeffers is following the latest for us on this. Brittany, good morning. Okay, this is a reporter. Okay. What do you see uh, behind this reporter? What do you see that looks odd as they're talking about rolling out the vaccine. What do you see that's odd in this picture right here? Remember, I told you, Bride, you've got to look at the surroundings. Okay, you see the cross back there. Now, what is odd about that cross? A church, that's right, there's a church. A Catholic cross. A Coptic cross, okay. So, y'all see the church back there with a circle in the middle, right, of the cross. Okay, so here is a reporter. Are you ready? Here is a reporter standing in front of a church. And look what the name of this church is called, Bride. New Covenant Church. Right, and this is supposed to be an evangelical church. Okay, it says New Covenant Church in Humble. Well, let's do this before we go any further. Let's, <clears throat> let's look up this church. 
All right, New Covenant Church, Humble, Texas. Okay, there it was. All right, let's check out this church. New Covenant Church. All right, okay, look at that logo. Look at that logo. What do you see? Can y'all see it over there? What do you see on that logo? Oh, it's in your state in Texas, yeah. Too small. Okay, let me see if I can make it. Purple, blue, light, satanic. All right, let me see if I can make this any bigger so you can see the logo. Hey, here we go. Can you see it better now? What do you what do you see in that logo? Thousand points of light's a good point. C inside of a C, yes. And notice that one of the C's is backwards. See how it's got the little C is blue and then the other C around it is backwards. See it? When you look at that, what does that make you think? Remember, I'm teaching you about logos and slogans. How you have to pay attention to these. Snake eating himself. Another snake? Wow. Devil's mirror. Okay, well, it could be that. Antichrist, well, I don't know about <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> Our boroughs, I don't know what that is. How about this? <laughs> Somebody wrote UFO. That is funny. Ooh, coexist. Good job, Judy. Good job. The all-seeing eye. Hmm, hey, I didn't think about that. It could be, huh? Well, how about this? How about new covenant means we're changing things around. They are changing things around. The new covenant's going this way, and the the new covenant's going this way. One covenant's this way, and one covenant's this way. So it's flip-flopping, it's turning it around. And, look at there, with that cut, what does that look like right there? Like a half arrow inside of it? Yes, it kind of, it looks like it means there's a new covenant coming, doesn't it? So, here's what we're going to do with this church. We're going to look and see what do they believe. Let's check out this site. Oh my goodness! They are pushing for people to get tested. What do you know? Looky there. Partnering with the UN Agenda. They probably get money for that.
Looky there. Oh, my goodness. We exist to connect people to Jesus and each other. Hope starts here. All right. All right. Next steps, life groups. Watch live about us. Okay. Pastor Mitzpaka, I guess. Place for all. Student ministry. Family ministry. Okay. Tee, he, and me. All right. Okay, so let's check out what they're what they believe about us. Let's go in here and look. All right, so they have an internship. Okay, the mission we expose interns. Oh, that's for their intern deal. There's your pastors. Sean McLeod. Never heard of him. All right, well, let's go to uh, our beliefs. Okay, here we go. We believe in human worth. Man was made in the image of God and is a crown of creation. He's now, by reason of the fall, spiritually depraved and alienated from the Creator. Apart from God's grace, he has no ability to obtain his higher calling. Man's created in the image of God. Man is spirit. He has a soul and lives in a body, house, or shell. Man does not come from animal or single-cell amoeba. Man is not inherently good by nature because of Adam and Eve's disobedience. We are alienated and can never measure up to God's standard of right standing with it. This alienation is called sin. Sin means to miss or not come up to the established standard. Wow, look at that. We can never satisfy the established standard without intervention from God. No amount of good deeds on our part could satisfy His requirement. Wow. Justification by faith. The soul that sins shall surely die. This death is a spiritual death first and a natural death second. The alienation from God because sin can only be corrected by grace through faith in Jesus. God's entire wrath against disobedience and sin was taken out on Jesus. See, it sounds like to me they believe that doctrine I can't stand. There's a doctrine that says that Jesus uh, took it all on the cross so thus you don't have to worry about it once you get saved. That he, he took it all. So, um, there's no more uh, being tempted by sin or going to hell once you get saved. You know, they believe you just say it, that you're saved and that covers you forever. There's no backsliding. There's no... Uh, having to, you know, keep up with your salvation because Jesus did it. He fulfilled it all, so you never have to worry about it again. God is in Jesus. Jesus is in God with the Holy Spirit as the divine interpreter. They're equal in purpose. Okay. There are six things essential to your belief as a Christian. You must believe that Jesus was both 
100% God because Almighty God was his father and he is 100% human because Mary was his mother. You must believe that Mary was a virgin, as Scripture records. This means that in order for her to conceive, it had to be supernatural beyond natural. This is no different than Abraham and Sarah believing God they could have children after their time has passed. Jesus lived his life without sin. If he sinned in any way, then his life is blood. His death was for the sins of the world. My sin and your sin caused his death. He was raised from the dead. This signified his supreme lordship over the very thing that resulted naturally from our separation from God. Natural physical death was a shadow or a type of spiritual death. Why don't they just come out and just be simple with it? And just say the wages of sin is death, people. You know what I mean? Like they have to go through all this. He now reigns as the immortal, invisible king who will one day establish his rule on earth at the appointed time. Okay, what about heaven and hell? We believe that the Holy Spirit dwells in all believers, conforming them to the image of Jesus. The Holy Spirit sanctifies, sets us apart. He preserves, keeps us to the day of Christ's return. See, that's what I thought. The Holy Spirit comes within you when you accept Christ in your heart. The one that called alongside to help provide. So they don't believe in speaking in tongues. What the world? We believe that baptism by the Holy Spirit is an endowment of power. Given to anoint the believer for sanctification and evangelism. It is our understanding that supernatural charisma of the Holy Spirit is active with the body of Christ. Until the coming of the Lord, furthermore, we believe the development of the charismatic gifts ought to be encouraged under the guidance of local church authorities. It's a subsequent experience to salvation. The Holy Spirit within us produces fruit. It produces power for external work. It's not a requirement for salvation to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Well, by speaking in tongues. We believe in the Holy One, Holy Christian, and Apostle. Oh, Lord! The Catholic deal. Her cultural diverse, diverse and transitional and her mission eternal. Church, there can be many Christina institutes. Look how they changed the word Catholic. Here it is. The universal church was okay Catholic. It's just, okay, this is ecumenical. This Deal is ecumenical. This is an ecumenical church. The canon of scripture was established prior to the universal church fragmented into denominations, which at that time was still an organic body and not an institutional one. Hmm. The unity of the church. Spiritual unity of all who are born of God. We confess even those with whom we disagree. Those who do not confess us and others who we exclude because of our willful ignorance. So are you talking LGBT? 
We do not disassociate from other churches that profess Jesus Christ but may have different doctrinal beliefs or culture, so they're ecumenical. We don't major on the minors. We want to build bridges. That's ecumenical right there. That is ecumenical. That is what ecumenical... Whenever you see our word building bridges... New Covenant Church Ecumenical. The Evangelical Covenant Church. Yeah, I knew they was. Let's see. New Covenant Theology, the, which is covenant bound upon the church and consists of the law. Old Testament laws have been abrogated entire mosaic or old covenant are canceled with Jesus's crucifixion and replaced with the law of Christ and the new covenant it shares similarities within distinctions from dispensationalism and covenant theology hmm All right, well, let's move forward. Let's go back to what we was reading. No, we was watching that video. That's what it was. Okay, so this woman, now we know what kind of church she's standing in front of, right? Okay, she is in front of this church. And you got to ask yourself, why is she standing in front of this ecumenical church? Oh, wait. We know why now. We know why. This must be a church that's going to help distribute the vaccine. That's one way to look at it because on their website, remember, they had on their website uh, all of the different places that you can go get tested and get help with COVID-19, remember? That's on the front page of their website. So now she, yeah, pushing vaccine to Christians. Trying to look like Christians should be okay with this agenda. So let's go back to this and start all over. Here we go. Good morning. Yeah, ask Davis for us on this. Brittany, good morning. Good morning. Yeah, AstraZeneca says that it looked at two different dosing regimens when testing out this vaccine. And meanwhile, other health officials are saying that we may see, the, see these vaccinations start to roll out a lot sooner than expected. Another big development in the fight against the coronavirus. AstraZeneca now releasing new information on the effectiveness of a potential vaccine. This is a breakdown of the numbers. It was assessed over two different dosing regimens, showing 90% effective when recipients received a half dose followed by a full dose one month apart. It was 62% effective when given as two full doses one month apart. Combined, the analysis brings it to an average of 70% effective. With Pfizer, Moderna, and AstraZeneca, Zeneca vaccinations in the works, there may be a difference in the price tag as well. According to CNBC, Moderna could cost the most per dose at $32 to $37, Pfizer at $20 a dose, and AstraZeneca at just $3 or $4. Look at that, Brad. 
Why do you think Moderna is more expensive? Why do you think? Is it because they are uh, moving the RNA around? Do you think it's because of the cost of technology in every dose? Yep, the nanotechnology. It has to be why Moderna is the most expensive one. Can you imagine $37 per person for this agenda that is 90%, let's see, 94% recoverable rate? $37 for a, a million people. That is a whole lot of money. All right, let's continue. The big question is when will the vaccines be available to the public? The chief science advisor is calling this Operation Warp Speed, and some health officials say Americans could receive the vaccine in the next three weeks. But just how realistic is that time frame? Well, I think we have to let each step play out. Um, the evidence has gone to the FDA. We'll probably also see the CDC weigh in on the top priority groups, given the data that's there. The health officials say they want to reiterate that all of these vaccinations will likely be rolled out in stages. Reporting live this morning from Humble, I'm Brittany Jeffers, KPRC, Channel 2 News. All right, Brittany, thank you. Yeah, so it makes you wonder, why did they have her standing in front of a church? Why do we have three different vaccines? Maybe somebody's answered that. Why three different vaccines? Okay, let's try for COVID. All right, here we go. It's a two-minute video. Not bad. Shows this shows the different so, types of vaccines. Customize and safe. It's Liberty Mutual. So as the race to find a vaccine for COVID-19 heats up, did you know there's actually more than one type of vaccine that may become available? 10 Tampa Bay's Emerald Morrow spoke to researchers about their differences and how they work. You hear vaccine, you just think vaccine. You're not thinking about me. There's four different kinds of vaccines out there, and how they work in your body is going to be different from each other. And Dr. Kevin Sneed of USF has questions about each. So number one, well, they all work to the very same extent, and then number two, uh, will there be one that may be safer than another? The first thing to understand, the virus has what's called a spike protein. It uses to invade your cells and replicate. And vaccines can work by blocking those spike proteins from getting in. So what are some of these vaccines? First up, mRNA, which is what Moderna uses. It, it kind of turns on the RNA machinery in your body so that you literally kind of 
it kind of tells your body to make its own army inside of you. But there are many others. Some of the other ones, they kind of expose the body to uh, little fragments of the actual virus that have been deactivated so that when the body sees that and it builds antibodies. The idea of pretty much most of the vaccines that are out there is to help your body make these good antibodies, the neutralizing antibodies to the spike protein that will prevent the virus from starting up an infection. It's a whole lot of information to process, but doctors say do not hesitate to talk to your healthcare provider if you have more questions. We want people to understand what's going on, so they should ask questions about their health, their family's health, and make. Oh man. Uh, let's see here. Hey, here's a good. What's an mR RNA vaccine? We know what uh, what Doctor Day said today about it. Do y'all remember that? Nineteen vaccine investors, public health specialists. All right, let's rewind. This is what they're saying on here. More than 30 biotech and pharmaceutical companies around the world are racing to develop a safe COVID-19 vaccine. Investors, public health specialists, and other experts are watching closely to see which company gains regulatory approval first. But there's a big question lingering over the process. How do we balance safety with speed? Because of the urgency of the pandemic, the White House has launched Operation Warp Speed, which provides funding and other assistance to help companies speed up the development and distribution process. Under this program, the White House has chosen five different vaccine candidates to fast track. Four of the five candidates are being developed by seasoned companies, such as Pfizer, AstraZeneca, Merck, and Johnson & Johnson. The only newcomer on the list? Moderna. 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 Moderna, which is one of the most promising COVID vaccine creators, has already started phase three trials late last month. We're putting our bets behind Moderna. Shares of Moderna are swinging this morning. You sell Moderna, you buy Gilead. If Moderna can do it, you know that we're going to hire. Moderna was founded 10 years ago and has yet to bring a product to market, but it's new approach to a vaccine have many people hopeful for an alternative viable candidate during the pandemic. Here's where the high stakes race for a coronavirus vaccine stands. Biotech company Moderna, as well as biotech with the German biotech company BioNTech, have been working on what's called an mRNA delivery approach to a vaccine. Many think it could be the best option for rapid production during the pandemic. Traditional immunization methods involve injecting a dead or weakened form of a virus into the body. This triggers the immune system to create proteins called antibodies, which protect a person in the event a live virus gets into their system. The mRNA vaccine approach doesn't require injecting a virus into the patient in order to create those antibodies. Messenger ribonucleic acid, or mRNA, are molecules that exist within the body that transport instructions to the part of the cell that creates proteins. The mRNA approach to the vaccine is to encode instructions into a synthetic strand of mRNA on how to create antibodies to fight the virus. Once those programmed strands of mRNA are introduced, the body's natural process of creating proteins takes over, and it reproduces the antibodies without needing the weakened virus present in a person's system. The Moderna and Pfizer vaccines both use this brand new technology known as messenger RNA. And 
there are differences uh, in the two vaccines in the way they're formulated and the way they're uh, put together um, and actually in the way they're dosed. Pfizer's vaccine is given as two doses three weeks, weeks apart, whereas Moderna's is given as two doses four weeks apart. Uh, now, from the outside, these vaccines are going to look very, very similar, except uh, in that dosing regimen. But because there are these small differences in the way they're made uh, and designed, uh, they could work differently in different populations. This new approach to a vaccine has never been approved by any world regulatory body. There are some advantages to the mRNA approach. Because the vaccine doesn't contain a virus, the participant can't get infected by the vaccine, which is a risk for traditional immunization methods. The mRNA vaccine would also be easier to manufacture. Traditional vaccines that use a dead or weakened form of the virus must be grown inside live cells. The production of these vaccines is slower. For example, the most common way for the flu vaccine to be manufactured at scale is to grow the vaccine's viruses within fertilized hen eggs. Those eggs are incubated for several days to allow the viruses to replicate. The viruses are then killed, purified, and go through extensive quality testing before distribution. You have to do any live virus. So issues relative to containing the virus don't exist. Uh, it is a streamlined process. It's new, so you don't have to deal with legacy manufacturing issues, and it's quicker. So you can manufacture quicker, higher quality, and to a global scale, which is exactly what we need. The only questions are, these are new technologies. We're still Right, I agree with you, yeah. Exactly right. And I'm convinced that there won't be any vaccine in the market that has not done it exactly right. Because, you know, the only thing worse than no vaccine is a vaccine that is either uh, not efficacious or unsafe. That's not permissible. When the... We left in the apartment. There is a bit of a clogging problem. Hey, ah, man, green eyes. Yeah. The White House selected the five vaccine candidates in early June 2020 to receive prioritized access to clinical trials. It signaled that the government favored these drug makers' approaches to the vaccine over others. The U.S. government doubled down on this preferential treatment by pre-ordering 100 million doses from Pfizer in July 2020 and 100 million from Moderna in August 2020. But the vaccines are still being tested, with both Pfizer and Moderna's mRNA candidates entering late-stage clinical trials in the summer of 2020. Amen. Vaccines typically go through three stages of clinical trials before they receive regulatory approval. The first stage tests the vaccine on a small group of healthy volunteers to ensure the drug is safe to give to a larger group of people before moving forward. Phase two is larger, with several hundred people receiving the vaccine. This stage is to help figure out the best dosage for the vaccine, as well as to continue monitoring risks and side effects. And obviously, everything is a risk-benefit proposition. So for some conditions, like for example, uh, ovarian cancer or, or lung cancer. The drugs can be uh, very lethal, but the disease is even more so. You wouldn't accept the same degree of risk for uh, a cancer medication as you would for an allergen medication. Phase three studies are conducted on thousands of people. During the third stage of the study, researchers are monitoring for safety as well as how effective the vaccine is. Moderna's phase three study involves around 30,000 participants across 89 sites in the United States. Half of them will receive the vaccine while the other half receive a placebo. A placebo is a drug that is made with inactive ingredients so it will not have any real effect on the patient's health. 
The trial is a double-blind study, meaning neither the candidates nor the researchers know who received the placebo and who received the vaccine in order to prevent bias. Phase three trials typically last anywhere from one to ah. three years, but the pandemic has led to the studies. Like we have that much time. Or efficacy of the first interim readout to be in November. That's our base plan. Uh, How many of y'all feel like they're just testing all this on us? And if the infection rate in the country was to slow down in the next weeks, yeah, they are. Potentially be pushed out as a worst case scenario, I would say, December. Part of what's extraordinary about this process is everything has been shrunken. It is unheard of in, in vaccine history to go from the development of the vaccine into phase one, two, three trials within a span of what has it been like less than six months at this point. People always ask me, who's going to win the race? Who's going to be first? And here's my answer. I don't care. You know, I, I just want a safe and efficacious vaccine. As yeah, as that's true. Uh, let's see what they say about that, about... COVID vaccine trace tracker. Excuse me. What on the 700 Club? They had a thing about the RFID chip placed inside. You know. Pfizer COVID vaccine explained. That's 22 minutes long. Look at that question. We know that's a farce. It says, is the new COVID vaccine our way back to normality? No. We have read all the documents. They are not going to let us go back to normal, people. They do not want us to go back to normal. Seriously. You might as well get that right out of your head. All right, what is this? Oh, that's a health IT deal. Uh, let's see here. Okay, going back to the bill. So I just wanted to show you how they got another bill added on the HR 6666. The COVID-19. Hey, let's see what they're saying about that on YouTube. COVID-19 
COVID Tracing Act. COVID-19 app-based contact tracing and surveillance policy. That's an hour long now. Oh, this is the, let's look what the World Health Organization said. continues to spread around the globe. You can help stop COVID-19 by participating in contact tracing. How does contact tracing work? Contact tracing is a system that has been used for decades to stop infectious diseases. A contact is anyone who has had direct physical contact or is within one meter for at least 15 minutes with an infected person, even if that person does not have symptoms. This applies to anyone who has had contact from two days before a person gets sick until 14 days afterwards. Huh. Or from the 14 days when an asymptomatic case tested positive. What the world? Once you are confirmed as a contact, you will be asked to go into quarantine, which means to separate yourself from others and to monitor your health for any signs of illness. The monitoring ends on the 14th day from your last contact with the person infected with COVID-19. Quarantine can take place in a special facility outside of your home or at home if you can stay separated from family members. Why 14 days of quarantine? It can take from 1 to 14 days from contact with the virus to develop symptoms. During this time, you should stay in quarantine and monitor symptoms and follow instructions given to you if you become symptomatic. Without contact tracing and quarantine, the virus will continue to spread. This leads to more people becoming sick and infecting the most vulnerable. By identifying and limiting contacts of people infected with COVID-19, the virus stops spreading and the community stays safe. To break the chains of transmission, we all need to work together. If you become sick with COVID-19, stay away from others. Follow the recommendations of your medical care provider and share the list of people who you came in close contact with. With your help, we can prevent further spread of the virus and save more people's lives. By acting together, we can break the chains of COVID-19 transmission. Ah, by acting together, Now look at that person. We do not consent. <laughs> hey, let's put that in and say, uh, uh, people do not want vaccine. How people decide to abstain from vaccines, that's a year ago. Why U.S. anti-vaxxers will refuse the coronavirus vaccine. So they're going to make the anti-vaxxers evil? 
And this is according to the Liberal Guardian paper. Bill Gates on the anti-vaccine movement. Anti-vaxxers could pose public health risk when coronavirus vaccine arrives. When was this dated? May the 12th. Look at that cow. Grade A milk and cream and oh, makes me miss my cows. Have been racing to develop a vaccine for COVID-19. But what happens if people refuse to take it? Anti-vaccine propaganda has long targeted immunization against childhood diseases like measles. But in the face of coronavirus, the campaign has mutated into something that could prove even more deadly. And there is no way as long as I'm living, then my children are going to be injected with that. There are anti-vaccine groups that are weaving a web right now, sowing seeds about developing their plans. Scientists say any potential vaccine is still probably a year away, but the misinformation drive is already underway. Recently, there were false reports that a volunteer in a vaccine trial died, prompting her to tweet, she's still very much alive. Anti-vaxxers are also targeting Microsoft founder Bill Gates for his vaccine advocacy and falsely claiming microchips are being inserted into vaccines. I have ah. receiving any vaccine from any entity, uh -huh. especially anybody like Bill Gates. Singer MIA tweeting, if I had to choose Which are just entering winter have seen record demand for flu shots. 
I do absolutely believe this is a turning tide for us. Um, people have questions, but now they know where to go. For the first time ever, everyone knows CDC. They know Anthony Fauci. They'll be persuaded by science for the first time in a long time. Researchers say the key is using this interim time to educate people, help them understand the process, how vaccines are made, and why they're safe. We can use right here to build confidence. We have an opportunity now, and that's, that's my optimism. And if education doesn't help convince the vaccine hesitant, blatant self-interest just might. At the moment, actually, everybody is perceiving a personal risk of being having exposed to the COVID virus as well. So it's a slightly different environment compared to a situation where we might be vaccinating against diseases people are not seeing. Hey, NBC ah. viewers, thanks for checking out our YouTube channel. Well, I declare that in America, they say it's 50%. 50, Brad. Well, all right, that's all I have for you. The president, show enough, gave in. All right, let's type in Trump election again. See if we got any new news. Nope, it's still the same. He did officially, he didn't concede, but he started the, he's handing over the reins to Biden. Amen, Barb. Amen, sis. All right, y'all. Well, I guess I'm going to get off here tonight. I just wanted to go live and say, what a shocker. It looks like President Trump is giving in. So, it looks like Biden will be the next president. So let's see, Trump. Ha, that's funny. Look, Trump, that latest news. Trump administration allows Biden transition to begin. Donald Trump clears the way for the transition of power. All right, let's see what they oh say my here. Gosh, it's so cute. What's really cool about Moonglow is that despite still refusing to concede the U.S. election, Donald Trump is allowing the transition of power to begin. He's authorized the GSA, the agency responsible for the process, to begin initial protocols that would recognize Joe Biden as the winner of the election. The president says his legal challenges over the election results will continue. 
Joining us now is John Barron, the host of Planet America. And uh, John, this is the closest we've seen uh, Trump get to recognising the results of the election. Uh, what is the process? What does it mean? He's still not very close. Uh, as, as you mentioned, Andy, he's using uh, words such as initial protocols rather than transition and we will still prevail rather than I have clearly lost. So right. there's still a disconnect between the reality of the situation the president is in uh, and what he's prepared to say publicly. But this is an important step. It's a largely administrative measure the GSA frees up about $10 million worth of already congressionally approved money that pays for things like office spaces for the president-elect's transition team. So as President-elect Biden is assembling his, his key staff, who will be moving into the, uh, the White House at midday on the 20th of January next year, as Biden's taking the oath of office, the, the removalists come in, the rugs come out, the, the phones are disconnected, and you've got a whole new administration arrives in the space of a couple of hours. This has to happen quickly, cleanly, without there being any kind of point of weakness in America's national security. And, of course, it has to happen in the middle of a pandemic, making it doubly complicated just from a logistical point of view, so it takes planning. What this also indicates as well is that the president is now prepared to, it, it seems from his tweets on this subject, allow President-elect Biden to receive the kind of security and intelligence briefings that in the ordinary course he should have been receiving for two and a half weeks now, but hasn't because of the recalcitrance of this president in his, what is quite an unprecedented series of, of frivolous lawsuits that are going absolutely nowhere, but creating a sense of crisis that the transition, the orderly transition is being disrupted. Yeah, so they've lost a bit of time here. I mean, this green light should have been given about two weeks ago, as you say. Yeah, and, and this is really important historically, Gemma. If you look back to the 9-11 Commission report after September 11, 2001, they pointed to the fact that there was a month after the 2000 election, when the Florida recount was happening between Al Gore and George W. Bush, that even though then-Governor George W. Bush was receiving intelligence briefings, he wasn't yet in full transition mode and getting security clearances for all sorts of incoming administration staff, and that created a gap in knowledge. So even though the then-Clinton administration gave full cooperation to the incoming Bush administration, even before Gore was declared to have lost that election, time was still lost, just a few weeks, can make something like 9-11 that much more likely to happen. So this is very, very serious stuff. And that President Trump has finally bowed to a bit of pressure to stop being a dog in the manger over this is, uh, it's a gratifying sign, but he is still continuing on with these pretty wacky lawsuits that have a significant number of Americans still not realizing that Donald Trump is not gonna be president in, uh, in under 60 days from now. Now, as to who Joe Biden is surrounding himself with, is it jobs for mates? Yes, it is, but in a good way. Uh, you could argue that Joe Biden, in announcing key uh, national security positions, diplomatic positions, Tony Blinken as the incoming Secretary of State, former Deputy Secretary of State under Barack Obama, former National Security Advisor to Joe Biden as Vice President, former Senior Advisor to Joe Biden back to the 1990s when he was on the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. Anthony Blinken is Joe Biden's foreign policy brain in a way. And it's a very good choice because we saw between President Trump and Rex Tillerson, his former Secretary of State, if the two aren't on the same page, then internationally other world leaders do not know, am I talking to somebody who has the ear of the President or not? Tony Blinken and Joe Biden are very much on the same page. And Brad, I was looking in my, in my emails to see if I had any official emails about the subject. And the only thing that I have that's an official word from the White House is this. So let me pull this around for you to see. 
Okay, and let's see here. All right, this is from, let me go back, because I probably shouldn't show you their email address. <laughs> Lord, forgive me. Copy. Here, let me let me hold y'all up just a second so I don't show you anything confidential. Hold on. I'll show you this. Okay, this just came from the White House. Now, this is dated uh, the 22nd. Today's the 24th. This is the last official deal that we have received, okay? So, let me move this over. Okay. Okay. Statement from the Press Secretary. President Donald Trump participated in the second day of the virtual G20 Leaders Summit on November 22nd. President Trump discussed the economic model he has enacted through cutting taxes and regulations, promoting abundant and affordable energy, and negotiating trade agreements grounded in the principles of fairness and reciprocity. President Trump expressed the importance of policies that promote workers and families. He also discussed the historic achievements made in the United States and around, oh, excuse me, around the world in empowering and investing in women and called on all countries to do more. President Trump thanks Saudi Arabia for its leadership during its G20 presidency and look forward to working with Italy. So Italy's the new president. He also encouraged the G20 to continue to work together to achieve security, prosperity, and peace for all nations. Well, then that makes me wonder. All right, watch this. See, President Trump is the president of G7. Okay, the group of seven. Look, the G7 and the future of multilateralism. European Commission. Well, let me put it in G7, President 2021. 
Oh, the United Kingdom. Ha! Well, isn't that... That is not a coincidence. Boris Johnson is going to be the president next year. What do you know? It goes from President Trump to Boris Johnson, huh? Well, well, well. He is going to be the one leading the way next year. Remember what I taught you about the G7? Yes, build back better. That's right. Let's look up, uh, since I'm on a roll here, let's look up old Boris. Boris Johnson. We're going to have to learn a lot about him because we'll be covering him. Boris Johnson sets out new three-tier system. of COVID restrictions for England. He's a former journalist. Wow. COVID briefing on winter plan and vaccine. Ah. Facebook, he's got 1.6 million likes. I wonder how many he has on Twitter. Let's check out this dude on Twitter. Alright, let's go to Twitter. We've been looking at Twitter a lot lately. Alright, let's go to Boris Johnson. There he is. Okay, Prime Minister of the United Kingdom and Conservative Leader, okay. Oh, there's his three tiers. Medium, high, and very high alert. So he did a trade agreement with Justin Trudeau, huh? His hair! <laughs> All these leaders with their hair. <laughs> oh, man. Fantastic news that we've secured Satellite Network One Web. 
This strategic investment would drive out our space sector and put the UK at the forefront of space technology. Let's check this out. One web. Connectivity for everyone everywhere through a global cell. I wonder if that has anything to do with Elon Musk. That's kind of his goal, isn't it? To build technology which enables people to connect and learn from one another. Oh, Lord. Let's see what he's got to say here. One way it's got a very strong, uh, I think very powerful societal mission. What we're trying to do here is connect the world globally, building the technology which enables people to connect with each other and to learn from each other. We're really at the threshold of doing something truly exciting. It will have a very profound impact in connecting the world. That is what we're seeking to do. One way it's got a very strong, uh, I think very powerful societal mission. What we're trying to do here is connect the world. All right. We'll have to check out their website and see what is it. That one web dot world. Changing global communications from space. I heard something about this. Bringing connectivity from our broadband communications network to communities, governments, and businesses. Find out more. High-speed, low-latency services at speeds of more than 400. What? Enabling the fastest real-time video streaming from space. Since the beginning, the World Wide Web has never been worldwide. But in 2021, a new and truly global 5G-ready network will fix that. Wow. 
but the network reach to deliver truly worldwide coverage. And here's the revolutionary part. The fleet will be in low Earth orbit, 30 times closer to Earth than geostationary satellites. This gives you a stable, real-time connection with no interruption or annoyingly lag. What's more, our fleet always keeps moving, orbiting in a constellation design that creates seamless coverage. Each satellite uses a set of beams to cover an area the size of Alaska. Terrain is no obstacle. From its flight path and pattern, our fleet can always find your signal, so we can get you online from even the trickiest locations with look angles that geo-satellite broadband simply can't deliver. We maintain high-grade system resilience from two ops centers using state-of-the-art ops concepts. Cloud architecture gives us powerful scalability and control remotely. For example, we can remove satellites at the end of their service life so that the only trace we'll leave in space is on your screen right now. Now back to that video call of yours. We beam your data back down to Earth to our nearest satellite network portal. Then via one of our points of presence gateways, positioned in secure locations trusted by global providers, it re-enters the web. The journey you've just watched takes, at most, one-tenth of a second. And there they are. Your video call is good to start, whether with colleagues or your family back home. So from 2021, you need never be out of signal or out of mind. You believe this, Brian? We'll connect you from unconnectable locations and keep you productive on the move. Man. That looks like the beast to me. Connecting everywhere. For everyone. <sighs> One web. That sounds like the beast to me. What about you? You have the B system. Wow. One web. One gross planet. Yeah. One AI, yes. Nowhere to hide, that's for sure. Yes, amen, Laurie says that's how they're going to be able to hunt people better. Well, I also think that's how we're going to see... Um, You know, like drones everywhere and stuff. Our infrastructure. Putting satellites into orbit is only part of the amazing story. We need a crew of highly qualified men and women with the best skills to make this happen. 
1997, the United Nations International Telecommunications Union opened nearly 7 gigahertz of Q-band spectrum globally to connect the world through non-satellite systems. This is a new era of satellite communications delivering high throughput and low latencies enabling connections to the cloud. Accessing data in 5G. OneWeb.world Oh Lord. See how you find out stuff on Twitter? That's how we find out was from Twitter. UK government secures satellite network one web. Uh-huh, hold on a minute. Hold on a minute, bride. The UK government bought this, and they're the ones that's going to be running the world next year through the G7? That is not a coincidence, is it? They are getting ready for the power on next year. That is what is happening. This year, with Trump being in office and him being the president of presidents, next year be Boris Johnson. President Trump did the groundwork. You know, remember I called him like the John the Baptist. He did the groundwork for the G7, putting in the infrastructure, getting all the money, getting everything together to get it put in. And next year, in 2021, the switch goes on. That is when it goes forward. So they're launching in December, huh? Hmm, that's what their little satellite looks like. 100th completed satellite. Well, all right, right, I'm gonna get off here. Treehouse Publishers presents... Author and White House correspondent Dr. June Knight has published 10 books. 
as she traveled the country in obedience to God's serving ministries. Her books are about the Bride of Christ, preparing the church for the end of days, persecution, purity, and spiritual warfare. She even wrote a book revealing the pain and struggles of her own life called Testimony of a Broken Bride Jesus is the True Husband. Her books hope to help families make right decisions in the coming days about the mark of the beast and to choose Jesus over the beast system. Dr. June released four books this year about current day situations such as judgment, technology, tribulation days and more. These four books released in April of 2020 after she left the White House and exposes what she knows about President Trump and the Antichrist agenda. These books reveal apostasy plus idolatry equals judgment and it's for the harvest. Dr. June reveals the great divide in the church in this hour due to the great deception. She explains what is the ecumenical movement, new apostolic reformation, and false religions, exposes the one world religion agenda, Dr. June exposes the new world order and satanic agenda, this book exposes the lie of the new apostolic reformation evangelicals who have surrounded the president and is partnering with the beast system. This book chronicles 40 days of repentance and casting down 40 idols in our nation and church. This book reveals the biblical pattern of judgment and the current judgment. What is the pattern of God's judgment? Why does he judge? What is my role in this? This book discusses now that we know apostasy plus idolatry equals judgment where do we go from here? How do we prepare? What do we look for? What about technology? The human implantation chip, etc. So purchase the American pot books today before they shut them down. Be alert. Be informed. Be equipped for the war ahead. Or go to www.gotreehouse.org and purchase all 10 of Dr. June's books today on sale. If you are interested in writing a book please go to treehousepublishers.com. Thank you.